0: Hello and welcome to the Homeland Podcast. Step out to find out it's wet and warm, wet and warm, travel la travel la travela I'm Bryce Merriman and you're listening to the Homeland Lab Podcast. For people who are housed and housed comfortably, there is much about the experience of homelessness that is opaque and not easy to understand. From threats of violence, to perceived dangers from law enforcement, to uncomfortable sleeping situations, homelessness is a series of large and small traumas. One of the more simple, modest, yet important of those deprivations is the difficulty of having to sacrifice one's daily personal hygiene habits. Into this gap, stepped the Bay Area organization, Lava May. Their organization provides mobile shower units to help people maintain their cleanliness and, at the same time, their sense of self-worth. To begin my conversation, I asked Leah Filler, Lava May's Impact and New Programs Director, about their practice of radical hospitality.
1: Obviously, we are a service provider. We began in the business of providing mobile showers on wheels to the homeless, but really we consider ourselves to be in the hospitality business, and that's where the term radical hospitality came from. It is an unexpected level of care that we provide to folks on the streets, and we believe that restores enormous amounts of dignity and hope that is critical to the resilience of folks who are moving through homelessness.
0: That sounds amazing. And what talk to me about where you practice radical hospitality, Um, both geographically, kind of where across the United States, and then also where within those communities are you showing up and arriving to, to practice that idea?
1: Radical hospitality is practiced and must be practiced on every level of our organization. We are based in San Francisco, California, and we also have a branch office operating in Los Angeles, and radical hospitality starts with how we treat ourselves and each other, our team, Um, and that's what gives us the strength and the compassion to go outwards and bring that to the front lines of our operation. We are operating on the streets of San Francisco and L.A., and uh, radical hospitality starts with how simply we greet our guests. That's what we call the people that we serve, our guests, how we greet them, how we welcome them. It's uh, about how we treat our facilities, the vehicles that we operate, how we design them, uh, the use of uh, visuals and, and uh, the design process. Uh, we keep them clean, um, really how we present and maintain our, our space and every interaction that we have with our guests.
0: So you're you're actually showing up just curbside on the streets. Is it is it a set schedule? Is it something that people know where you're going to be all the time, or is it surprise? I get a shower today. <laughs>
1: There's definitely a set schedule. Uh, Lavne is really based on a partnership model. So we drive to different service providers. We're going to agencies that are providing food or clothing, uh, dining rooms, as well as health clinics, resource centers, even shelters. And once or twice.
0: So so that's interesting because cause I, when I was researching the organization, one thing that I didn't understand and I was wondering if there was going to be pushback from the community is sh- where you were showing up, That that you were showing up in partnership with these service providers that already had a presence in the neighborhood, already had a presence in their community, already had a level of trust in their community, rather than showing up in a place, you know, like I could imagine showing up at a park and community members around that park having an issue with it. But it sounds like you're you're, you're grafting on to an existing an existing presence, which makes That's a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, but none of us on our founding team came from a background uh, working in homelessness, so it was hmm. vital that we connect with the players. Um, that was the only way that we were going to be able to build any trust or reputation with the community. Was going to the places where they already felt comfortable and safe, and so uh, choosing those partners, the right partners who shared our values and uh, offered what we were trying to offer with the community was a vital step of our process. Um, and since then, one of our, just our deepest prides is that we today have a great reputation on the streets of San Francisco and that way. We have amazing trust in this community. And a big part of that is is how we've gone uh, really from this grassroots way to, to connect
0: so, so talk about that origin story you mentioned that your team wasn't coming out of a social service human service provider model where were you all coming from and what was the impetus to starting this project
1: I think that uh, we were universally coming from a, a deep place of compassion um, and activism a sense that there was not being enough was not being done to meet needs even as basic as Hygiene and sanitation for people on the streets. Um, our founder, Donnie Sandoval, she had a background in marketing and PR and branding. And myself, I was coming from a community organizing and more of an activism place. And uh, But together, we brought a lot of energy that was new in this space. There were uh, the nonprofit sectors not traditionally known for being a place of innovation or technology of disruption or branding even. Um, and these were all really important tenets of what we brought from day
0: one to the industry. Well, and, and I'm so glad you mentioned that because anyone who looks up a, a YouTube video of what you all do, um, I think that the branding piece, the design piece is something that strikes you immediately as um, an important component of, of your operation. I mean, beautiful design um, in terms of the graphic presence of your vehicles Um, the original vehicle I understand was a converted school bus and and, you know there's a great video out there of the architect designing that and thinking through the process of it talk about how design and um, the care that goes into that presence and that that visual showing up uh what What impact that has on on your conversation, and maybe what sets you apart and why you think it's important
1: absolutely um, we 're by no means the first to use the design process to solve social problems um there are entire companies and agencies that are dedicated to just that um, However, our focus on for us it starts with the human centricity it It started with how the design of our butts didn 't come just from our imaginations it came from sustained conversations and interviews and focus groups with people who were experiencing homelessness, who could tell us firsthand what the need was and what the experience was like. Um, one example of how that influenced us, one of our early ideas was that we wanted to stuff up to six shower cells on that first prototype. However, once we took that idea to the community and over and over and over again heard um uh, conversations around safety and privacy happening. Uh, there was nowhere that these, that our guests had any semblance of privacy in their daily lives. Um, that really, uh, it just bestowed the importance of rethinking that design, and the result was instead of six shower stalls, we have two completely separate private facilities. Um, you can't get into one or the other. They are closed, they are private, and that respite does an enormous amount for folks who, who lack that. Um, Throughout the process as well, every iteration we've made has come from the community that we're working with. So it's not only, it's this human centricity uh, that has informed every development that we've made. It's also on the visual side of things, understanding that how we build a space, um, our buses and our trailers, they're beautiful, they're spacious, they're clean. We've installed uh, skylights, bright, bright frosted skylights and LED lights. We have music playing. These these aspects of the space do just as much to restore a person's sense of dignity as as the hot shower does. And uh, every step of the way, this has just been a, at the core of what we do.
0: It, it sounds amazing. Um, maybe could could you take us into one of those showers, um, both both physically and and maybe more profoundly, kind of the spiritual transformation that 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 happens to the folks who are using it. To your guests, they're using it. Absolutely.
1: When you come to Labanais, uh the first first touch point is a warm greeting and someone will ask you your name. Uh, that alone is uh, important to us. These are human beings that we're working with who are too often treated like less than or even worse, like garbage on the street that are overlooked and invisible. So we see them and we ask them their name. Uh, they sign up with us for a shower like, they, like we would a table at a restaurant with a host. And uh, we have a a wait list And uh, between every single shower before they go on. We, uh, we, our staff and our volunteers, have already gone inside and we've cleaned the whole space down. And we hand a towel and a hygiene kit and our guest enters the space. Uh, You'll see a toilet, a a shower, a nice changing area, a sink with a mirror. There will be music playing. Perhaps we'll have uh, some potted plants or... Uh, decorations on the walls. We have some of our trailers have framed quotes and other images. Um, in the past, we've put around with whiteboards where people can, can leave notes to each other. So we try to have a really uh, festive and interactive uh, decor. If you um, they'll close the door, the curtain behind them, and they'll have about 20 minutes all to themselves. Um, no one will bother them. No one will go in. Um, it's just them. And we have hot water showers heated by Uh, on-demand hot water heaters Uh, there's music playing we have soap and dispensers in addition to the hygiene kit which they'll have a razor and a comb and q-tips and band-aids and uh, deodorant all sorts of other uh, supplies that our volunteers and donors slap together and after about 20 minutes if we haven't heard from them we'll gently knock on the door and make sure they're okay and and sort of urge them along not because we want to rush them but because there are a lot a lot We like to call it the 15-minute impact. It's like one person goes in and another comes out and they're shining and they're fresh and they're smiling, they have wet hair, and <laughs> when they thank us for a shower, it's rewarding and very, very humbling. Well,
0: and it, it seems like such um, one such an overlooked thing for those of us who are housed and such a luxury to be able to have that sense of privacy and to be able to... Take that time and be alone, and kind of take care of yourself uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a pretty profound way, but also a very basic way.
1: Well, of the many people have a lot of opinions about homelessness, a lot of opinions about the what cause, the reasons, who's to blame, how to solve it. Um, one thing that is almost universal, though, in a, a space that's entrenched with a lot of strong opinions. streets hmm. you know, they, they understand what that means they understand that, that people can't get a job they can't better their lives they can't take steps forward if they can't even get clean and so this is kind of a it's not it's a universal connector if you will where this really for that moment people, anyone who listens or is thinking about the issue can understand what that feels like
0: are there any favorite moments of people coming out of the shower and kind of just saying something yeah. profound and rewarding for you
1: And uh, the curtain opens up, and a woman's standing there in a hot, a hot pink dress and new shoes that she got from the resource center right in front of us. And she's like, "Well, where's the camera at?" So <laughs> then <And she's
0: sitting
1: laughs> she posed, the and she ran, and let us all take pictures. Uh, people feel very good about themselves, which we love to see.
0: That, that's a kick. That's great.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, this this may be a bit uh, beyond your reach, but I, I'm going to ask the question anyways. And the idea of hospitality is uh, that you're welcoming someone into the space and you're occupying a piece of the public realm that, in theory, should be hospitable for everyone. Have you heard stories from your guests about how that public space is maybe made inhospitable to them and what are some some of the ways, either through design or through management or through enforcement, that it's made less than hospitable? or less, less than uh, welcoming?
1: Anyone who spends an hour in San Francisco is shocked by the visual of it. Um, all cities struggle with homelessness, but San Francisco's feels particularly intense. Um, perhaps it's the small size of the city, or uh, the, who knows, there's many reasons why, but people are just lining the sidewalks. We have tents lining the sidewalks, people lying everywhere you see, people lying everywhere, and then you see people around them going to and from work, young people who are working in tech, working in the government, literally walking by and not even looking at them. So it's like two worlds are just on top of each other, and there's blinders on, and there's no interaction. Um, Not to mention the just sheer number of tickets and arrests that are happening for people that are just sleeping on the sidewalks um, because there's nowhere else for them to go. Uh, I think their daily experience in the public space on our sidewalks on stoops on benches is one where they're being shuffled around ignored invisible or even worse criminalized for them just being there when we show up uh, whether it's out front of the main public library in san francisco a family shelter that we work at any of the other resource centers uh, that we we drop by uh, not only do we by just being this big bright silly blue bus with a lot of friendly staff, warm the place up. But we also set up chairs. Just even while they're waiting for a shower, our guests are going to sit on chairs, and not on the not on the ground. Uh, we have just that simple simple shift to elevate their experience of the space and their sense of dignity, um, we uh, protect them. If police are coming by and trying to move people around, they're they're with us. They're they're doing something. They have a purpose there, and and we're doing our work together. Um, there's and not to mention that when they leave our vehicle after their shower, just, I mean, so many of them you can look at and you wouldn't for a second assume or think that they were homeless. We have this really strong visual association that is a stereotype. And, and you see folks, and they could be any one of us um, just cleaned up and on their way to work. So it, not only are we trying to physically make small shifts in the spaces that we're operating on. We're trying to um, restore that sense of identity and self-worth that changes how a person is moving through their public space.
0: When we're talking about this particular issue, we focus on housing solutions and and big supporter of Housing First and, and that sort of thing. But this is, this is you know, in the scheme of things, you would think, oh, a shower isn't as important as establishing housing. But it sounds like, for your guess, that that equation maybe isn't isn't exactly right. That there's there's some sort of reciprocity or dialogue between those two things that both might be equally important. Or maybe someone isn't ready to move into housing yet, but they they need to re- re- retain their dignity. Well, in a city like San
1: Francisco, and we're not alone. There just isn't. You know there is no pipeline to housing and um you know uh, people talk about everything from busing folks out to other cities hmm. or sending them out you know an hour or two outside of the city where there might be affordable housing but displaces that individual from their family and their friends and the services that they rely on so we're not alone there there just isn't unfortunately a supply of housing and not one that's available immediately even if it's in the works right. so of course Housing first. Housing is the only thing that will solve homelessness. But we also like to say that housing doesn't solve homelessness. Community does. And that's what we're offering. Um, you know, if you think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, there are the physiological needs for shelter, for water, and for food. But there's also the higher needs for safety, for a sense of belonging, for social connection. You know, we, we can't do it all. And while we wait our work for... with and other entrepreneurs to create those longer-term solutions, we can do everything to meet those higher needs today. And that's what we're trying to do. Um, I think that you can't isolate any one need as more important than another when it's the whole that makes a person uh, really able to self-actualize.
0: Sure. Um, You mentioned that you partner with other agencies and other service providers. Are... Together, are you providing kind of wraparound services as you arrive at one of these locations?
1: Uh, we not any any one partnership. No, okay. um, one. You know, for example, I mentioned the main public library earlier. Okay. They're one of our dearest partners. Um, they're not a nonprofit social service provider. They're a public library. They're a city institution. Um, however, they're also one of the one one of the only public uh, spaces that have really firmly kept their doors open. To all of their patrons, whoever they are and whatever their walk of life may be. That also meant that their bathrooms were a place of bird baths, and uh, their plumbing was being affected by that. And um, their other patrons weren't as comfortable using Where they already feel welcome, where they able to not only wash up in, in the bathrooms now through us, but uh, access the internet, do whether it's for job searching or working on uh, their, their self or read books or just have a bit of quiet during the day. Um, and so that's a complimentary service offering that's, we, we want to call it wraparound, but it's, it's a vital and it's part of someone's routine. Um, more recently, in the last uh, year, I'd say maybe it's been two years now, uh, we began to experiment with how could we offer more of that 360, and that's where our program Pop-Up Care Villages was born. Mm-hmm. Rather than just bring our mobile showers to different service agencies, how can we bring all of these people who are trying to do good work together and continue to close those silos in the industry? A uh, Pop-Up Care Village is happening on the foot of the on the steps of the main public library, but we'll have between 10 to 15 other partners alongside us. We, Everyone from uh, public clothing vendors and food donations to mobile dental studios or mobile medical clinics. Uh, we bring out me- uh, representatives that can do DMV ID vouchers because losing your identification is one of the biggest kind of spiraling down moments that can happen. Um, we have hair cutters, we have and slews of volunteers. And so it's through these experiences, again, we're trying to provide as many holistic services as we can, but what we're really doing is connecting community. And all of that is highly
0: restorative. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. I, I hadn't realized that it was a partnership with the library. I thought you were talking about the social service partnerships, but that makes complete and utter sense. Um, I want to come back to a, a point that you were raising earlier about kind of how the organization um, and your executive director kind of showed up to this conversation and built trust, built credibility, and as you said, is now very well respected and thought of in the community. How did that happen, and what lessons can you provide to other people who are concerned about this issue, who want to engage in this issue, but maybe feel like they haven't done the legwork to arrive and to be able to have a conversation that is... um Authentic in in a certain way.
1: Um, For example, we had uh, another uh, member of the media who's doing a a story on this recently go to an encampment um, trying to get interviews from folks. Um, People were pretty like, why? Like, kind of rolling their eyes, a little resistant. And then they said, I know the story is for Lava May and with Lava May. And people were ready to open up. Um, That's an example of the trust that we have that we're so dearly proud of. Again, it does start with going to the stakeholders. You know, we had to recognize that we were not experts here. And so we started with the experts and finding the leaders of nonprofits and other agencies that were really established. Um, These leaders became our early advisory council. So they helped us in the early design process of our program. Uh, Then it was about being on the streets with folks. We weren't a destination for them. We were coming straight to them that meets you where you're at mentality not only physically driving up to them but in our radical hospitality and our customer service approach also did wonders it was a a genuine uh, desire to learn and we also uh, emphasized a commitment to learning throughout the process where we continue to go back to our community for their feedback for their ideas for their insights and for uh, their their inspiration um so i would say it's 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 about that community that connection um, on a number of spokes with experts and leaders in the field, primarily and most importantly with people who are experiencing it. And it really just starts with that one conversation, that one person that is ready to connect with you and open up to you, and can point you to the next. And that's really how we started. And then, and this is in part of the service design process. It's really about Consistency and reliable, reliability. Mm. You know, this is a community where there's not a lot that they can depend on, and not a lot in their control. We understand that deeply, and we will go at, at all costs, uh, do everything we can not to miss or skip service. Right. It's really difficult for us when we have to change a site or move around because of the people that will be let down there. And so that that reliability has also done a lot, and uh, we show up and we continue showing up, and and it's taken years for.
0: Show up and continue showing up. That's good advice. Um, Maybe a couple couple of concluding questions here. What's next for Lava May? And if someone's in the Bay Area or down in L.A., how can they get involved?
1: open sourced our program resources and are uh, really sharing, sharing a DIY how-to guide for other communities. Our goal is to uh, be able to not have to take on every new city by ourselves, but to uh, really teach them how to fish. We want to share our resources with communities across the globe so that they can bring mobile showers to their streets. And we already have upwards of 150 uh, different users who've downloaded our resources and are working through the discussion forums together. So we're really just trying to see this take off, not just through our company, but as an, an industry. Um, and if you're in the Bay Area or in Los Angeles, just visit us at lavame.org, L-A-V-A-M-A-E.org, and sign up to volunteer. Uh, our volunteers are really at the front lines of our radical hospitality and uh, the experience is uh, definitely a mind-shifting one. Um, whenever I ask our volunteers what their favorite part of the day was, even though they're out there you know, sorting hygiene supplies, cleaning facilities, et cetera, they always say it's the stories. Right? These stories are heard today. Um, so I'd really, really encourage and invite anyone to come and join us.
0: Well. It sounds wonderful, and the way that you're spreading radical hospitality uh, across uh, the United States is really inspiring, and I I really appreciated your insights on uh, public space and homelessness. Um, Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Bryce. It's my pleasure.
0: Thank you for listening. This podcast is part of The Homeland Project, we invite you to learn more about the project at homelandlab.com. Our work would not be possible without the support of MIG SVR and the Landscape Architecture Foundation's Innovation and Leadership Fellowship. To learn more about the tremendous work of LAF, please visit their website at lafoundation.org. Finally, we want to thank our friends at Yeeves for the use of their music. You can learn more about the band and find out about their debut album at thesoundofyves.com.